0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome to the On Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Werner, Joey Wagner a Top Memorial Stadium in the press box. And we had the story written. Brandon Peters, back. Passing attack, back. All these good vibes with a 14-10 lead. You get the ball coming out of halftime. And then... Oh, Illinois football happened. Illinois shut out by Rutgers in the second half. Rutgers wins 20-14. to What a disappointing way, Joey, to follow up a huge win at Penn State. Um, to follow up a, a solid first half where your passing attack finally gets going. Uh, you take advantage of a team stacking the box. But in the second half, Illinois had 46 total yards, nine yards on their first four drives. Penalties killed those drives. And then you have a chance to take the lead. You're driving the ball fourth and one a pitch to chase brown gets snuffed out for a four-yard loss ruckers ends up winning the game ruckers outrushes illinois um hugely in this game 230 to 107 so it's weird you you crush penn state in the trenches last week this week Rutgers beats you in the trenches how do you put this into perspective joey about how we saw the same team uh just look two different ways now um i don't know if we all expected illinois just to blow out Rutgers because as we said coming into this game Rutgers is a very similar team to, to Illinois, except their quarterback runs the ball a lot, and that, that seemed to hurt them today. Yeah,
2: I think we should start in the big picture a little bit before we zoom in, and and it's just, uh, and I, we, we just talked about it, and I talked about it earlier this week, is what was that Penn State game going to be? Was it going to be that game that you catch a little fire, like Wisconsin was in 2019, and, and you maybe ride a hot hand that probably shouldn't even really be hot, but you just, you catch something, you catch lightning in a bottle and go with it? Or was it going to be, I guess the only two Nebraska experiences, right? Was it going to be Nebraska of 2020 when I know it wasn't a ranked team, but you, you go in there and you look good. And then really beginning with that next Iowa game, you fall apart or even Nebraska this year, right? Where you come out and, and you've got all of this juice and energy and, and oh my gosh, what's going on with Illinois nationally. And you know probably a little less national what's going on with Illinois at this point. But like after that Nebraska game, there was so much buzz and then kind of a dud, right? Like what, what was it going to be? And, that's what this team is has got to find a way, and Brett Bielema's got to get his team to that point where you don't have to ask that, where it's, where it's one, and, and then you can start stacking. That's not saying run the table every year. It's just recognizing that there are opportunities to pounce on this momentum and really start to, to rewrite a narrative that has pretty much all been written. And, and I thought they had it. In that second quarter, I thought, oh, hey, okay, look at this. I mean, they've got it figured out a little bit. And then... Zoom in on that a little bit, and they don't, right? It just it falls apart there in the second half. And, and it's not back to the drawing board, but it's back to, all right, got to light a spark again and figure out a way to get going, and that's the task. And, by the way, you've got to do it at Minnesota, which isn't a world-beating team, but it's a team that's not going to let you come in there and, and provide the spark for you.
1: Yeah, we're recording this in Minnesota and Northwestern in the first uh, quarter, and it's 13-7 to 7, Minnesota. Minnesota can run the football. Um, and that's what Rutgers did today. They, they ran the football, the quarterback runs. That was my concern coming into this game because Illinois hasn't played a lot of teams that uh, have a running quarterback and kind of get loose that uh, can really make you test your gaps, and I thought today Illinois really struggled to contain that quarterback run and just a push up front by Rutgers' offensive line that isn't very good. Uh, really banged up, and Illinois' defensive line, which we rightfully have given praise for the last four weeks, Didn't play all that well. I will give Illinois credit for this, that the defense 20 points should be able to win a football game, a big 10 football game. And Illinois offense just wasn't able to do them any kind of favors. So it just Illinois defense did not get that one turnover. Like the Kalon Tolson play that looked like it could have been a pick six. That's a play. The defense needs in these close one possession losses with the, the offense that they have that just can't sustain any kind of success. Um, but it's disappointing that in a game that you knew was going to be physical, that you knew was going to be about ball control, that you knew it was going to be about who makes the big mistakes, oh, no, I didn't have turnovers today, but it was these penalties. The penalties at the beginning of these drives, you had a chop block. After a big gain. you're at midfield coming out of halftime. You have a holding call that, that forces a second and three, I think, to go to, like, second and 13. So all of a sudden, uh, you just get behind the sticks. And Rutgers, to their credit, Stayed ahead of the sticks, and they got aggressive on fourth downs today. They went three for three on fourth downs. You went zero for one. Yeah, and your biggest play of the game, you weren't able to get it. That's the difference, right there.
2: Well, that's something I wanted to touch on. I, I think we got to look at Rutgers and say, good for you for taking the, the, the ball, the proverbially, I guess, ball out of Illinois's hands, and saying, I know you guys are feeling good for getting a third down stop. And Illinois was pretty good defensively yes. on third downs today. I, three at of fifteen. Three of fifteen. That. That's going to win you football games. But what Rutgers did, and I thought credit to them for coming in on the road on a four-game losing streak against a team that should have had some energy and momentum and saying, no, we're going to do this on fourth down, and they got it. And then those four, five, six play drives turned into nine, ten, eleven play drives. And I, I didn't really feel like the defense wore down, but you just you shortened the game. And not that Illinois' offense is so explosive. You've got to keep it on the sideline. That's not the case. But it was—I just thought those were really bold calls, and I know it was windy, and a kick was probably, as we saw, you know, really a 50-50 chance at a lot of points going in that direction. But credit for them and Illinois' defense—I thought for the most part—did a fine job of keeping this thing in check and bending and not breaking. And they broke. There was a couple that they broke, but
1: no, not a lot of big plays by Rutgers. They had a couple passes on one of their drives, and. Two of the times they they converted fourth downs, they scored. They, they scored touchdowns off of. So those were massive plays, and, and kudos to Shiano for getting aggressive there. Yeah, and again, I, I think more
2: that's more like credit them than and not to carry water, but than to blame Illinois. I mean, to go for it on fourth on the road that many times is that's bold, man. And you got to be bold. That's and I think that's so much kind of in a nutshell with some fans and, and as we watch this you got to be bold when you're in situations like Rutgers right now. And when you're in a situation
1: like Illinois right now, you got to say, the hell with this. Let's go win this thing. and yeah, Screw it. Like that, that's why a lot of people thought against Maryland, do it. Uh, the Maryland game, I agreed with Bioma being up a score. The worst that could happen is probably a tie game, right? No one could envision them losing uh, before regulation was over. But the Purdue game, yeah. It's like, you're Illinois right now with a chance to win on the road. That's how Rutgers played today. We are three and four, oh and four. This is one of our best chances to get a win. Let's put it in our hands. Let's put in our, the ball in our hands and let us make the play, not count on getting a stop to stop on someone else from making the play. And, and that's why and, – and plus it's just the analytics of it. When, when you have these fourth and shorts, uh, it is much better to, to go for it at the 35-yard line of your opponent than to try a field goal. Um, just your win percentage goes up immensely. So when they converted these fourth downs, their win percentage goes up. Win percentage, baseball, <laughs>
2: analytics. The shift. No, but really, I mean, you're right, right? I mean, it, and that's not, like, this isn't some indictment on Illinois' offense. I just didn't think there were chances, really, for them to try to do the same. I, I thought Rutgers, that punter's going to get drafted. That dude is
1: good at football. Yeah, sorry, guys. I think the better punter was on Rutgers. Today. And that's in taking away nothing from Blake Hayes, Adam Korsak, to pin Illinois inside the five twice today, especially in the fourth quarter, midway through. I know a line I fan like the, some people didn't like the – Sneak there? I loved it. You got two yards of cushion so you could actually run another play. The problem is you lost it on the next play because I couldn't block up front on the inside zones. Chase Brown almost was tackled for a safety. And then you ran it again on third down just so you could give Blake Hayes a little, little time. Um, we'll talk about the play calling here on offense, but you just didn't have many chances because you got behind the line of scrimmage so much, Joey, and, and that punt was fantastic. So the offense just never really got going until the final drive, and they made two bad plays. Third and three, was it? They weren't able to get with Jakari Norwood on the field. Uh, Jakari was on the field because Josh McCray was banged up, and uh, Chase Brown tapped his head to get a breather. And then the next play, Rucker snuffed it out. Here's a question, and I should have asked Brett this, and it
2: didn't really click with me, and I'm sure – I could probably walk through his logic. But if Chase is tapping his head, Josh McCray is not available in that situation of the game and you've got three timeouts, do you consider calling one and, and getting your best offensive player a couple extra seconds to get some water, get some air, catch his breath
1: and go Probably for it. not when there's that little time left in the game. I get it. There's a play. You also think Jakari Norwood who had a, a decent gain earlier in the 6-yard yeah, 6-yard gain previously but the next two plays two yards one yard yeah and I didn't care for the fourth down uh we can get into that but it's look
2: this there's so much Maryland-esque in this right like Josh McCray's not available Chase Brown needs a breather in the case of Maryland he was out and it like you probably don't get to fourth down if, if yeah. you have one of Josh McRae or Chase Brown in there. And that's not an excuse, but there's a level of reality. We have to understand from watching this team for nine games that those guys are probably going to get those yards. And, and I know that logic kind of goes out the window a little bit because the fourth down play, Chase Brown did not get those yards. But it's, it's just there's a, so much that goes into the, like the timing, the availability. All of that just, yeah. just kind of... It seems like it bubbles at really bad times for this team.
1: Yeah, and here's let's get into the play calling, uh, especially this last drive because I just the other the, the rest of the first half or the second half, I think the one frustration is it took him a while to get to the outside zone where Chase Brown finally got free. It was clear Rutgers was loading the box, but specifically on the interior. They did not want Illinois to run the football in between the tackles. Chase Brown finally got going on the outside, and, and Brett Bielman made a comment after the game is, we've got to take what the defense is giving us, and I thought that was on the edges. Uh, there was another game early in the season, I think it was UTSA, where it took Tony Peterson a while to get to that. Um, but that, that would be one qualm, but those penalties killed it. Otherwise, you were driving on some of those um, where you had a chance. But let's go to that, that fourth down call. I don't have a huge huge problem of getting to the edge. I thought you had to get to the edge. I think that's where Chase Brown was, was doing well. That's where you block pretty well. Um, but the problem is I think it was just kind of cutesy with, with the pitch. It's something you haven't done, but i got to give Rutgers a lot of credit for, for sniffing it out and making the play. Um, but – One thing of me is Jakari Norwood, six yards on that first down. You get to the Rutgers, 37. It's second and four. Chase Brown is not in the game. Brandon Peters, who has deserved all the criticism he's been getting for the most part uh, this season, is having his best game. And I thought he was making good decisions with the ball. His pocket presence was great. Um, He was accurate. He was throwing quick strikes. He was decisive. He's the quarterback we all wanted to see this season. And he never had the ball in his hands. He had one play on that last drive, the pass to Luke Ford, which was a good throw, good run after the catch by Luke Ford. Otherwise, he never had the ball in his hands in those final four plays. That's odd to me. I would have liked to have gotten him out on the edge. He was running the ball well. So I'm not saying it had to be on that fourth down, Joey, but whether it was second, third, or fourth down, I kind of wanted the ball, as weird as it is to say right now, uh, after the season, kind of wanted the ball in Brandon Peters' hands because he was making plays all game.
2: Yeah, I thought he made a couple really big throws. Uh, I mean, obviously the touchdowns were, were – I haven't seen him throw a pass as, as nice as it was to Isaiah Williams in a long time. That, that was a beautiful touchdown pass.
1: Yeah, you and I were talking, like obviously the Nebraska game, but the first half of the Iowa game, first quarter of the Iowa game, he threw two, threw two touchdowns, I think one to Bebe. Bay Bay. Um, I thought, like – that was probably the last time we saw that great of passes uh, from Brandon Peters.
2: Yeah, I just felt like he felt himself out there a little bit, right? Like, And we all kind of wondered, and it was a super easy narrative to lean into. Like, Did that two-point conversion at Penn State give him a little juice? I mean, I don't know, right? I mean, I I don't know. Was, but, but whatever he had, he had out there because he he just kind of had a little swagger to him he I thought he was good at knowing when to get rid of the ball not taking sacks everything that had been like frustrating about him really seemed to kind of wash away today and I thought that was really important and that's a really long way around getting back to the point that yeah man your dude's making plays let him make the plays and and do something I I don't know what what the answer was going to be maybe you roll him out he seems comfortable rolling out Um, find a different way I mean I if you're going to run it up the gut and your only available option that you trust is
1: Jacari Nordwood, maybe it's time to go elsewhere. I just don't know that that's his strength, right? Yeah. And some people ask, like, why wouldn't you run sneak on fourth and one, which 6'5", 225 guy. Uh, Rutgers did have two guys lined up over the, the A-gaps and uh, a linebacker, I believe, behind that. But that's that's where you really, really need to convert and uh, Illinois just didn't make the play. Um, you know, Jakari Norwood gets stopped twice in a row. And then you go to the outside, which I, I don't necessarily disagree with, but it is interesting. I, I just thought Brandon looked great today. I thought he was the better quarterback in the field. Vedral made some great plays with his feet, but wasn't very accurate. I just thought there was an opportunity to, to put the ball in Peter's hands and see if he could make a play. Maybe it's the narrative in me, Joey, because I was kind of rooting for that. I mean, it would have been great to see Brandon Peters, you know, finish off this game and to come back from what has a, been a terrible season for him personally and the offense and the passing attack, and to end it, and he just never got that chance.
2: No, and I, I'm with you. I mean, it's our job, right, is to root for the story. The story is this kid who's had just a truly weird, un- underwhelming year comes in and does it, and, and gets that momentum, and it's like, hey,
1: hey, this will write itself. so. It makes our job easier. Call tonight a night early, right? Like, what? T- take you behind the curtain. I had two parallel track stories, one if they lose, one if they win for my quick hits. And at halftime, I'd written my Brandon Peters story. like He was going to be my lead, and it was going to be a kudos to him after having an objectively terrible season. Um, it was going to be all about him for the most part, and I had to scrap that because they just weren't able to, to find anything in the second
2: uh, we, you know, I've got this, Jimmy. We're sitting here. I've got this pulled up, the fourth and one. Josh McCray's in the game. He's at yeah. fullback right there. But you're right. The, the A-gap's stuffed, right?
1: But, it's, I mean. It, so, Josh McCray. I didn't know that. So, Josh McCray is lined up at fullback, which is an interesting look. I think we've seen this once before. We saw it at Penn State, and, and I think they checked
2: out it. But I thought it was going to be, an, and I talked with Martin O'Donnell yeah. on, on Monday. I thought it was either going to be a little fullback dive Or a sneak where McCray can just come in and belly up on his quarterback and push him forward a couple yards. Now the gap was stuck. Right, yeah, so I I
1: just want to take people through this. Uh, Julius Turner, who's a great nose guard, is is lined up, uh, just cocked at Doug Kramer. Um, So he is going to level Doug Kramer, and there's a linebacker right over Doug Kramer's right shoulder. So those A gaps were full. Um, Brandon Peters probably read that. I don't know if he had the option to read that and choose what he wanted to run. But um, that wasn't really open because there's another linebacker lined up in the B gap. So that that Rutgers covered that inside run. Uh, but, but play it, Joey. I want to see here what happens as uh, Chase Brown gets tackled because Isaiah Williams goes in motion. That frees up number five, who just makes a great play, great read. Um, number five did not go with Isaiah Williams, and I think Illinois was hoping he would uh, yeah. because it, they were probably hoping it was in man coverage. And uh, number five, the cornerback. Didn't go with Isaiah Williams, and maybe that's – I don't know if that's a read. Uh, we'll have to ask Tony Peterson what happened on that play because if number five does not – if he stays with Isaiah Williams on that play, Chase Brown's free for a huge game.
2: I'm kind of now talking myself out of, think like, questions about
1: that fourth down. because I have questions about, like, did they have a check? Was that a call yes. at the line of scrimmage? Um, because Rutgers did a, I mean, I think Rutgers called up a good play, and five made a great play. And I do wonder though. Again, the the this, this situation is there's three timeouts. If
2: you set it in motion, and the, the defender doesn't go with Isaiah, do you call it and, re, and just gather yourself yeah. again? I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot we have to ask Tony about that play. But as I look
1: at it, Rutgers just played the heck out of that play. Yeah. I mean, it, that's why I didn't have as big of a problem with that play call as the play calls before sure. it, where you first. I mean, Shakarian or gets six yards on first down, and then the next two plays you just run right up the gut and you had not been running well up the gut. So that I have a bigger issue with that. I know the fourth down will get all the attention um, because it was a huge play, and, and you got snuffed out, but the, the second and third down calls are, are the bigger ones. I think sometimes people overlook that.
2: Now, I, know, I know this really took us down a, a different road than we were talking with Brandon Peters, but I, I just saw Brandon. It was really a good guy. was the best we've seen Brandon Peters in a was long great, time. great,
1: man. He was great. We got, finally got to talk to him. I think Scott Ritchie had – caught it out nine weeks and five days since we talked to him and and he was great to talk to uh after this game it was it was nice to see him bounce back because we're no we know he's capable of that it's not like we've never seen it it's just been so inconsistent and we haven't seen it in a year
2: and look let's just say it this is it like the three games are his uh, it, it's it, uh, barring an injury uh, it, it's almost impossible for me to see anything else in these final three games and brandon peter so you might be frustrated, and I understand frustrated for eight weeks with Brandon Peters has been warranted. But if there's any possible, not even to be the, the, you know, the jolly good time here, but if there's any possible time that uh, your quarterback could have turned a corner, today maybe looks like, like that was that time. Brandon Peters had a good first half and, and the offense sputtered for any number of reasons in the second half. That weren't half, him. That, that weren't no, him. He not didn't him. take sacks. He and he doesn't really turn the ball over, but to, I thought there was one play, Jimmy. Maybe that's what you were going to say to Isaiah Williams. It was a drop that almost got bobbled into an interception. He was going to get leveled, and he did get leveled. He was going to get sacked, and I think two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I probably would have expected him to take a sack there. And I just thought he did a good job of getting rid of it. Now, now you—it's just Illinois' offense. You've got to marry the two facets of this game, and it's just not happened. And and it's crazy because we said last week, it's like, man, they could have thrown. Boy, imagine what a day that would have been for the running backs to make the defense be honest. And they threw It's just, Rutgers had a good game plan. This is, like, this is still Rutgers right now, but they're really coming up. I mean, this is a program that's not going to be –
1: They put in a quarterback today who just got there. Like, he just got like – he's just a 17-year-old, I believe. Uh, he got in for a play and made a fourth down convert. What a Shoot. play. Maybe the play of the warms. game.
2: May, honestly, maybe the play of the game. because Gavin Wimsatt. Without that, that was a fourth down. I mean, in the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken um, – uh, just a great play for a 17 year old kid. He skipped his senior year of high school in Kentucky, if I'm not yep. mistaken. And just you got that. I'm sorry, that was the third quarter there. Um, on fourth and five, two plays later, you get a
1: touchdown, a 15 yarder from Noah Vedral, and that four star kid too, Gavin Wimsatt. So they, I mean, they're, they're recruiting really, really well. You don't play Rutgers the next couple years. The next time you play them in 24. Yeah. They'll probably be a lot more talented uh, than they are now. So it's just it's a huge missed opportunity uh, for Illinois because if you win this game, you're four and five with three chances to win two games to get to a bowl game. Um, I, I, they're going to be double-digit underdogs probably at Minnesota. They're going to be double-digit underdogs at Iowa. Then you come home against Northwestern. And even if you were able to get to five wins, Joey you at least have a dream that if there's not enough bowl eligible teams, you can sneak into one uh, based on APR and all that. So um, that dream's probably gone. I mean, we'll see if they can put together some unexpected wins like at Penn State. But this was just a, a golden opportunity uh, that they, they missed. They missed up. Um, but I do want to say Brandon Peters was great. I mean, that throw to, to Isaiah Williams was great. But I, he, he, he connected Daniel Barker on a third down early. And he just stepped up in the pocket. His pocket presence was there. The protection was really good today. I wanted to make a note of that. Uh, so the run blocking wasn't great, but the the pass protection was really, really good. So I'll have to look back and see if that's because Pearl was really good at tackle, and that's that's part of why they were better. But he just stepped up in the pocket, and then there was a couple to Casey Washington. He just stepped up in the pocket where he rifled throws across the field. Like the throw to Deuce Spann, it wasn't a big play, but he just rifled that one across the field that – most quarterbacks can't make. And you're like, okay, that's, that's what we think he can do. Uh, it's just his career has been inconsistent with it.
2: I want to go in a little deeper on that Daniel Barker. That was the first play of the second quarter in Illinois. Just a truly miserable first quarter of football offensively. Two three and outs, nothing happens. I mean, literally Five nothing. points in first quarters this
1: year in nine games, five points.
2: Boy, what a weird safety, <laughs> huh? What a weird. So at this point, you're looking at, boy, another three and out. Right, and that's that's a lot of – I almost thought, okay, what's one more three and out going to do? Do they do something if it's another three and out? And, and, I mean, would Ryan Johnson would have been the next guy up? And I, and I thought that, and he just fired that 21 yards. The first play to that point, it was the first passing play of 20 or more yards since Maryland, which is mind-boggling. Four games without a 20-plus yard pass. You had four of them today. 2021, the year of our Lord, <laughs> and we can say that. But, I mean, that was just a huge – and then the very next play, this is where I think we saw a lot of Brandon Peters' swagger. It was fast. It was get up to the line and go and just make them uncomfortable. And
1: And he ran the ball. They did that twice today where they got a first down across midfield. Brandon Peters immediately quarterback keeper. And he gained some good chunks. That just set up a second and short.
2: This it is it so weird. Uh, like, this is all kind of hitting me here as we record this. Like last, when it was Rod Smith, it was, boy, Brandon's not really an ideal fit. And he wasn't. I mean, you look at who Rod had success with, and, and it was dual threat, speedy quarterback. But I think Brandon really made the most of his athleticism in Rod's offense. But but the whole time we thought, well, he's really probably better for a pro-style offense. The pro-style offense comes in, and you're like, he you probably ought to run him a little bit more. And the, just the this
1: threat. Just to soften it, yeah. the
2: defense up a little. So it's such an interesting balance, right, just kind of how we view it and what lens we look at it through. But, man, Jeremy, I didn't expect to sit here and say, hey, how about Brandon Peters?
1: Like Bright spot. right? Well, here's my thing with, like, Tony Peterson's offense. Um, I, you, I don't want to see them just get statues, right? And, and Arthur Sikowski and, and Brandon Peters are pocket passers, but those guys can move. And I feel like you have to be willing to use that a little bit because when you're going 10 on 11, right, the defense has the advantage. And I remember talking to Tim Banks about this with Wes Lunt and Riley O'Toole. <laughs> like, he would never tell me on the record what he preferred as a defensive coordinator, but it was clear it was he hates going up against dual threat guys because, like Noel Vedrill today, who can go 10 of 21, but he can kill you with 50 running yards. That, that prolonged drives, gets a touchdown, gets a first down, all those things just really are difficult for a defense to be able to handle. And Brandon is capable of those things. So I was happy to see him get five carries today for 25 yards. One was on a uh, a sneak. So he can handle the ball. I know you don't want to get him injured, so you're not going to run him 10 to 12 times. But I was happy to see them use his legs, and that was probably one of my biggest, more than the fourth down call, it was the, the plays before it where let Brandon roll out, let him move, and, and let him make a play because he'd been doing it all day so I, I just I know he didn't earn the trust all season but I thought he earned the trust on this specific day you know it's crazy when we
2: think about that Noah Vedrill and maybe it's just recency bias in that last drive where Illinois was just kind of clutching to a hope and a prayer that they could get a three and out it just seems like the quarterbacks who aren't known as runner runners it's like it's always third down it's always that back-breaking First down. And Brandon Peters has
1: done that to people in his career. It's just been The, the those... guy you watch every Sunday, Joey, he, he doesn't run a lot. But, man, it just feels like a backbreaker every time Aaron Rodgers does that to teams.
2: And there's so much to be said. And that's what I think Illinois did so well at Penn State was, like, breaking the will of a defense. Yeah. Like, just like, hey, whatever you do, we're going to do it better or we're gonna, just going to break you at times that you didn't expect to be broken. And that's what we've been missing from this Illinois offense. We just haven't seen them just spiritually break another team. And I don't mean, like, throw it all over the yard. I just mean timely, just gut punches that hurt and that are hard to find your footing again. And I... I think that's such a big step for this team is to get that. I don't – you probably got the third down. Yeah,
1: Illinois was 3-12 on third down. It's bad. I mean, Rutgers was worse at 3 for for 15, but they converted on their fourth downs. So, in all, they were, what, 6 of uh, 18, right? So, that that's how they were able to convert those things. Did you see me doing the math yeah. in my head? Like, well, I'm just sitting here <laughs> thinking about, like, can I buy stock in Pro Kick Australia
2: today? <laughs> because both of the punters are ha, had come out of Pro Kick Australia and this game may as well have just been sponsored by I mean, this yeah. was a, a freaking punt fest. Eight for Blake Hayes, um Eight? six for Adam Korsak, and just beautiful punts, man.
1: Six inside the twenty for combined for both of those guys. Five of fifty plus yards. I mean, they were they were fantastic. These guys are just Well-trained with with huge boots, and, um, you know, Blake had a couple that weren't great today, Um, and and Adam Korsak, every one seemed like it was uh, perfectly, perfectly placed. All right, uh, where do they go from here? Um, I I know some people on on the social media, on the Twitter machine, are are, are firing staff members for Illinois uh, (laughs) right now. That's clearly not going to happen right now, but... Minnesota's going to be tough. I mean, they, they run the ball extremely well, despite losing their top two running backs, Mo Ibrahim and Trey Potts. Marquise Irving is, is in a good freshman from them from oh, Chicago, uh, Hillcrest. <laughs> but um, their offensive line's really good. And they obviously have a quarterback who's very experienced, hasn't been as good without those studs that he had the last couple of years that are now in the NFL But um, they play better defense this year. They changed uh, coordinators, and and they're playing much better defense. Um, So I think it's going to be really tough for Illinois to go to Minneapolis, where they haven't won, Joey, since 2009. Um, But can they compete? I mean, this is the hard part is Illinois competes against teams like this in Northwestern. They've they've lost four one-possession games and then got crushed by a Wisconsin team that today crushed Iowa and I think is on their way to winning the West because their defense is that good but i expect illinois to be in the game against minnesota because i don't think minnesota is great um uh, even though they keep winning um but illinois can they win the game that's the hard part It took them over nine overtimes to beat penn state
2: man this is going to sound silly to say after nine weeks and it's literally our job to try to grasp what this team is i don't really know man i, I just don't know there's games that I thought like I thought they were maybe gonna hang in with Wisconsin a little more and they got absolutely gassed. I just absolutely run off the field. Like that wasn't score wise, but it reminded me so much of that Iowa just massacre. There's just nothing they were doing. And then I thought going into Penn State, I thought that's gonna be a long trip just for a, just a, a somber post game where you get almost nothing. like for us, it's like what are we gonna get content wise out of this? And Which is
1: why you went and saw Sincere Harris and, and, and yeah. saw yeah. Diamond Leary. We, we
2: we made the circle. For all of that, and, and then they win, and literally, Jeremy, nobody. I, I don't, sure, some they're going to tell you, inside the building, we felt like we had a chance to win the game. I have no idea. Maybe they did. Good for you if you did, because I, I don't know where you would have gotten that thought. But nobody else did. Like, there was a reason they were 20-some-odd point underdogs going into that thing. And then they do it. And then you think, all right, well, Rutgers is kind of, a, kind of you know, coming up. It's still maybe a little bit messy right now. And then you do, like,
1: I do not know this team. Right, you know how I know we do not know this team? Because you and I are four and five picking games this year for this team. I don't know what to expect with these guys. Like, it is really hard to know what to expect, except I think the defense is going to compete, and I thought they competed today. A couple big plays, fourth downs, they weren't able to get stops. Uh, when they did get their hand on the ball a couple times, they weren't able to get an interception. Like, the ball floats up and they weren't able to get it. Um, but I, the defense is going to compete, but today you weren't able to run the ball? That, that's different. Like, you just weren't able to run the ball for most of the game outside of a few uh, Chase Brown outside runs. That's different. Like Offensively, you just can't find a rhythm and consistency. Uh, and then penalties killed you. I mean, turnovers should have killed you at Penn State. That's the stuff you want to see go away. Because I only had three penalties today, which usually is a pretty good day but they all were offensive line penalties all at the beginning of drives in the second half when you have a chance to blow open the game by two possessions. Um, those are killers. Those are the stuff you got to change because that's the stuff Rutgers didn't do. Rutgers didn't play a great game. Like They played pretty sound defensively. They played a sound game, right? And that's what Brett Bielma talks about. you got to learn how not to lose games. And Illinois is still learning how not to lose games because Purdue, Maryland, this game, UTSA, they all feel like they – lost those games like those other teams maybe didn't go win it
2: yeah man like what like the Maryland there was the last two possessions right Purdue it was the punt and then the last possession and UTSA was just lost from the get-go that was much, not even as close as the final score I, that, that final score was so deceiving in that game this game there wasn't that like I, I don't know if, if I asked you right now what was the moment they lost it I don't know I, I just think it was a lot of little – there wasn't that big drive. There wasn't that I, big play. I have
1: a, I have a couple. Everyone's going to point to the fourth it's one. It's a penalty. Yeah, for me it's the chop block. Yeah. I, I thought the chop block because that's that's a 15-yard penalty. And you had a big gain on that play, and I, the chop block was unnecessary. To me, that changed the game. Because I think you had a first down before that. It,
2: that was the fourth Play of that drive, they had that was just picked up at third and one, and at that point, and and it was a
1: sneak by Brandon Peters to get that. And you thought, okay, they're gonna go score now, and they're gonna have a two score, like even if it's a field goal, they're gonna go score because they had the wind at their back. James McCourt could have made a field goal, like you're gonna go take a touchdown or a 10 point lead here. And you're going to run the freaking football, and you're going to close out this game. Like That's what I had in my head because you had the chance to do that double dip, as they like to do. You get the ball out of halftime. Um, Brett Buhlman loves doing that. That felt like the moment to me was that chop block. We could talk about that last drive or some defensive play. The fourth down that they converted um, for Rutgers was big. But for me, it's that chop block. It just took away all of that momentum, in my opinion. Well,
2: look, the, the double dip was made possible because the defense forced a Rutgers three and out at the end of the second quarter. Because at that point, I thought, man, what if Rutgers goes in and, and take, I think it take the lead, right? At halftime, you thought, ooh, boy. And then they don't. Like, they get a three and out. Illinois just runs it, gets the heck into the, the locker room for halftime. And at that point, it's like, whoa, man, they could take this thing up 21-10. to 10 I'll take those odds if I'm Illinois to, to close this thing out. And But I, I guess my point was, like, there had always been those key drives, those key, you know, just, I, I guess, holistic mistakes where everybody just kind of does a little bit to contribute to this, this debacle. And this was just th- three penalties. Just yeah. blew this yeah, thing
1: open. Fourth downs. And then I think Corsak's punt midway through the fourth quarter i I think that was just a mat to to pin illinois not only in the inside the 10 but at the one yard line backed up like illinois had to try and get out of there they get out of there a little bit with the the sneak and then just ran it twice the, the second one getting tackled for loss i thought that was massive like that punt was a massive play where illinois just had very few options with its back against the wall and an offensive line that was struggling
2: yeah, I agree. And can we backtrack a little bit? I kind of earmarked this. I wanted to come back to, as, as we both sit here and look at the Twitter machine, angry, I know there's frustration with Tony Peterson. And I know this offense has really been underwhelming all season long. And I get it. Like You should be frustrated with this offense. But can we just add a little context? Like, for people saying, get rid of him, get rid of him. This, it's a big financial move if you were to go that route to, to get rid of Tony Peterson. And, and more than anything... If I'm a coach recruiting against Illinois, if I'm a, a prospective offensive coordinator, wh- what message does that send? We're gonna we're gonna punt on this after one year. I mean that yeah, that's I had, not the move. It's just not the move. Like let him get his guys. I I get it, man. It's frustrating, but there's so much that goes into it. More this, like this isn't Madden. You can't just fire a coach or a coordinator and bring in someone else. Like there's there's so much more that goes into
1: it. That's probably an unpopular take, but it's just. Yeah breathe just breathe a little bit yeah listen if i don't know if he's had a great year right but like i haven't just put much credence into that talk because maybe bielma would but he's got a three-year contract um bielma has been waiting you know to to be a head coach for a while and that was his guy um they're very close i think tony you know in the weeks prior to this is actually called better games Mm -hmm. i think he's learned his personnel a little bit better i thought you know, finally his quarterbacks and receivers are, are able to make some plays. The Daniel Barker play was a beaut of a call, and his offense had penalties that really made his job very, very difficult. I th- and again, I think I had some qualms on that last drive. Sure. I don't have a lot of qualms on the the back against the wall um, because you had, you're, you're going to run the ball and that's what you do is you run the ball and you're not able to do it there i third down, I probably, or second down or third down, one of those plays, I would have thrown it and given Brandon Peters a chance. But that's easy to say in hindsight. But that last drive, that's one of Brandon Peters that had the ball in his hands once. Like that, that's my biggest thing. More than just the one call that Rucker snuffed out and as we broke down on here, I think it was a good play by them. And it just happened to be, I think, the right coverage uh, to, to negate that play. Um, for me, it was more. Maybe trust a quarterback in that game where he's finally looks trustworthy.
2: Yeah, and with that, the back against the wall, we've we've talked about it on here, Jeremy. We we thought the defense has found at least what I would say probably safely is maybe like a one year identity with, with what they've got. I think Ryan's done a good job. Or Ryan Walter's done a good job of building some sort of identity to hang your hat on with what you've got. But and we, we can said, call it a three three five defense because that's yeah. all they did today. And, and we said, what is Illinois' offensive identity and, and what do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Well, we know that now. They want to run the ball, so with the outcome is what you wanted, but the process—like you wanted to be a team that runs the ball with the big guys—you're
1: back against the wall, and you trust your running game. That makes sense. I agree with you. I think like, well, it's hard to—it's hard to run out. Like, and I would say like the outside zone was a lot better than the inside zone today. You can't run a. Outside zone and risk your running back getting caught in the end zone, right? Like if you run a stretch play uh, and your quarter your running back gets caught from behind, where Illinois was struggling to block that today, that's a terrible play call, right?
2: Yeah, and to me, second down was kind of the money down to pass. Third down, I think you just. Just, my God, stay out of the end zone. Yeah. Live to fight another day, like we talk about with quarterbacks all Do the another time. another sneak, maybe. Yeah, yeah just just yeah. avoid danger. Give your punter some space. Second down felt like kind of that money. Hey, let's see. Not a shot, but let's just
1: see if we can get five on a quick little hitter and get out. Just you're actually poof. hitting your quick hitters today. Like, you actually had quick decisions, quick release, quick strikes. Like, you were actually doing that stuff today. You were, and I just think that we know what the Illinois offense
2: is has success with. And I know Brett will push back. We're not a running team, this, that, and the other. That's fine. I get all that. But I, I thought Tony had done a good job for the last couple of weeks leaning into this, the dance with who brought him, right? And who brought him had been Chase Brown and Josh McCray.
1: So I But the, the barge... Did not work this week because you actually had a team that was prepared yes. and made adjustments to it. Uh, they didn't run it all that much, and I knew they wouldn't. Um, but Penn State, I just, I still don't know what they did that game because they just completely got out-coached. Rutgers did not get out-coached today.
2: Well, let's be honest. They didn't, I don't think like they planned on running it as much as they did against Penn State, and James Franklin just looked at it like he'd never seen a freaking boat. Like, <laughs>
1: oh, they keep running that thing. Like, why – They Rutgers Rutgers coaching staff was strong today. They they were strong. Like I thought Ryan Walters had a pretty good game. I thought Tony P mean Tony Peterson had a a decent game for most of that game, but um, Rutgers just made a couple more calls. I thought today.
2: Look, let's be honest. When a unit collectively struggles, someone's got to be the scapegoat, right? And, And right now, that's Tony Peterson. I'm sure he would probably rather wear that hat than put that hat on his quarterback. And that's he gets paid money to wear that hat, but it. A couple bad plays or plays that maybe we could use a little more explanation on don't collectively make for a poorly called game, I don't think. And I think that second quarter was just brilliant. It was a magnificent quarter. It was the best quarter I've seen of Illinois football, I think, all season. Yeah, they won 14-3 in the second quarter. And the, the pass to Daniel Barker. I What I like about that the touchdown pass to Daniel Barker, that was a play, or at least a very – similar brother variation of that play, that they got called for a, a legal man downfield at Penn State. And I don't they, know if it was the same formation, but it was the same action. Yeah, very screen pass. Very similar. And we saw it again also later against Penn State. So what I like that Tony did was he didn't just punt it, like, oh, penalty, scrap it, we'll, we'll go back to the drawing board in practice. He he trusted it. He trusted his guys that, that must – I'm now thinking that's kind of one of their money plays. We've seen it just a few too many times to think otherwise – and it gets your tight ends involved, which is what everybody wants. And when Daniel Barker gets involved, and then we saw Luke Ford on that final drive, good things happen, man. And, and Isaiah Williams, good things happen. They they had a little shovel pass to Carlos Sandy. I I've I've got any number of questions about that.
1: That that was a questionable call. Like that was not yeah. that was on first and ten, and you run that play, but the guy just isn't Isaiah Williams. Um, but also get the ball my running backs uh, to get up first down for a little bit. Like Carlos just isn't the guy I'm giving the ball to start a huge drive.
2: No. And now knowing what we know, that Josh McCray maybe wasn't yeah. as available. And I don't think Brett's blowing smoke. That dude's one of your four best offensive players, or at least your three best offensive skill players.
1: You're putting him out there, man. Four carries for six yards. They could have used him today.
2: Yeah. I don't think that's anything other than he, he literally was limited. Um, man.
1: It's a missed opportunity. It's just a huge missed opportunity for Illinois to really gain some momentum. And, and again, I, we'll tie this back. I mean, recruiting. Like, if, if you win back-to-back games, you start to make a push of, hey, look, look how we're growing. Look how we're doing this. Now it's like, yeah, we're close. We're close. And that's much, much harder to sell. It's much harder to sell on the trail. So, uh, losing these one-possession games, you just think about if you split them, right? If you if you'd found a way to beat Maryland found a way to to beat purdue and and you lose one of the other games right like you'd be five and four right now like you're you're that close but it seems so far away as you sit here with another one possession loss at three and six and two and four in the big ten
2: yeah man and brett this was more probably one of the times i guess in this post-game press conference that i remember him just saying like this is like He's frustrated with them. I don't think he's like frustrated at his guys, in so much as he's just he's frustrated with just the outcome. And I think I think he's frustrated. I'm just guessing here. I, I'm not reporting this, but like to be so close, like God, that is frustrating. This isn't, this
1: isn't 28 to seven where it's like you're not even in the game, or the Wisconsin game, right? There's only one game or two games this year: Virginia and Wisconsin, which are just better teams than you more talented teams that you've been out of. The other ones have just been excruciating heartbreaking losses, or really good wins against Nebraska and Penn State. That's what's really, really frustrating about this season. We're going to look at
2: this season at the end of the year and say, yeah, Illinois lost to UTSA, and they lost to Rutgers. And who did they beat? Oh, uh, Nebraska and, and Penn State, by the way. Like, it, it's just, that's what I, to go back, I don't know what to expect. Week yeah. to week, I literally have
1: no idea. Like, we do our predictions, I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds right. Like, like today, gonna... today I would predict they win another game. Like, I, I think they can win another game. I just don't know which game that will be. I should say Northwestern. But it wouldn't shock me if they go up to Minneapolis and win. Um, it would surprise me a little bit because they're going to be underdogs and Minnesota's a better team. But going to Iowa, like, I don't think they're going to win. I'd put money that they're not going to win. But if they went and won, it'd kind of fit the season. right? Like That's kind of what the season's been.
2: I have no freaking clue. I,
1: I would sit here right now and say, I can still see them at five wins. Is that the title of our podcast no freaking clue
2: <laughs> Yes, I'm glad you said that out loud because usually like we'll turn this thing off like man we had a good title somewhere in our 45 minute diatribe about the same thing I, but like yeah no freaking clue I are I, I back in a rut <laughs> yeah, I, this team we sit here and I like the pain and the frustration and fans I get it all but it's there because this team, is right there. Like they, This they, is
1: not this is not a good team. Oh God. It is not a terrible team. I and, and I know that's not what Illinois fans want, but it's not like this team does not belong on these fields, right? Maybe not against Wisconsin and Virginia, but all these other teams, it's like they're they're right there. They're right there with these teams. It's just they can't find a way to win. They keep finding ways to lose. That's what I keep. Eventually that tide has
2: got to change. Like you just oh. Yeah, otherwise we'll see you in five years with, with another Josh Whitman presser probably, right? But, like, you just feel like it's got to change because it's so close, right? Like, there were some losses in the past where it's like, oh, I don't really know. Where, where, where do you start on this? It's, uh, man, I, I don't know what I expect. I know what I expected coming in. I expected a ball game. I was, I don't know, kind of silly, but now I'm looking at it. Maybe not. But four one-possession
1: losses in six games, it, like – that's mind blowing. I, I think our prediction of this team isn't crazy. To like at the end of it all, the big picture is like they could contend for a bowl game because they actually have been pretty close to that. It's just they've found a way to lose really, really tight games. All right, we'll see if anything changes. Joey and I will both be up in Minnesota next week. A little bit of a slower week with no hoops coming on. Uh, but, man, then we're going to have really, really busy uh, as uh, Illinois gets the football gets the bye week, but Illinois basketball starts its season. Uh, then we get some craziness schedule uh, late in the season. But we'll be there to cover it all. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Thanks to all of you. Three of you who are here at the 46-minute mark uh, listening to the podcast. We appreciate you guys. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate that. Check out AlanaInquiry.com for all the latest on this game. Joey will write a story about the team struggling to find momentum, whether it's within a game or within a season. Uh, they've really struggled to find that. And I'll have a piece on Brandon Peters. Uh, we got to talk to him for the first time in, in more than two months, and uh, I thought he gave some interesting insight. Uh, and Isaiah Williams, go-to quote. Uh, and a lot of fans will like this, Joey. Sidney Brown proved his frustration, dropped a couple F-bombs uh, in his post-game interview, which I'm not against. I'm not against him and Paucho showing some frustration every once in a while.
2: Yeah, man, the book of Palcho. Someone, This is Palcio's Super Senior Year. Someone's got to be the F-bomb dropper in these things, and I am happy to see
1: Sidney Brown embrace yeah. that role. Yeah. All right, so we'll talk to you next time on the Atlanta Inquirer podcast. Everybody take care and have a great day.